How do you help someone that can't help themselves? I want to tell you a fictional story. This is made up. This is not a real example. But for this made up example, the main character's name, I'm going to name Bob. Bob is a good kid growing up. He makes average grades, not the best, but not the worst. He uh, is a generally good kid. He's a little bit mischievous, kind of connive, but um, overall, pretty good. And as he gets older into high school, Bob starts to hang out with a crowd that may not be of the best influences. And this crowd likes to party a little bit, a little bit of underage drinking, and, um, and Bob still maintains pretty good grades, but, um, but every now and then gets in a little bit of trouble. But at the end of the day, what high school kid doesn't? So as Bob graduates high school, he goes off to college, he moves out, and he has roommates, and he gets introduced to drugs. And he starts to just kind of do social drugs, maybe at parties, but he's not a drug addict, but he's, you know, every now and then he'll dabble and he'll make some bad decisions, and he makes bad decisions in his relationships, and suddenly he starts to not do so well in college, and college starts to fall apart, and eventually, before we know it, he flunks out of college. And now that he's flunking out of college, he's looking at a job, and he can't find a job, he gets a job, he gets fired from his job, and now he's starting to no longer do drugs just socially, now it's starting to become a little bit more of part of his life. Bob starts to get older, now he's in his late 20s, and he's straight up drug addict. And now, whenever he comes around the family, you never know what kind of Bob you're going to get. Sometimes Bob is, he looks perfectly healthy, he's great, there's a lot of hope, he looks awesome. And then other times he's around the family and you're a little nervous about the young kids because you don't want them seeing Bob in this state. Bob gets older in his 30s. Bob's now in his 40s. And now he starts to really hit low points in his life and he reaches out to you. He asks for money. He asks for help. Maybe you help him because you love him and you give him a little bit of money. Maybe you give him money a second time, a third time. But after the fourth time, you say, this is the last time, Bob. I can't do this anymore. I can't enable this behavior. And he promises no more times after this. Bob gets arrested. Bob goes to rehab. Rehab doesn't work. He goes to rehab again, gets arrested again. Bob's in his late 50 now, late 50s now. And we just don't know how to help Bob anymore. Do y'all guys know Bob? Is there a Bob in your life? Maybe you know a Bob. Maybe you know someone who knows a Bob. Or maybe you're the Bob. Or maybe you have been the Bob. Today we celebrate a feast day known as Divine Mercy. And for some people, as they consider people like Bob in their life, this feast day might be a little frustrating. This feast day might be a little frustrating because we always go to church and we hear how much God loves everyone and how forgiving God is and how merciful God is. And yet we're frustrated that people like Bob get to keep making bad decisions and yet still have hope for heaven. And, and you know, we don't want to be frustrated. We almost feel guilty about that. But 
we start to wonder, is God just okay with everything? Is it okay just to sin and make bad decisions and just as long as on your deathbed you say you're sorry? All is fine? Do we just, does God just give out, get out of jail, jail free cards just here and there, especially on divine mercy? And yet, on the other side of us, we want people like Bob to have a change of heart. We want them to, to really get somewhere and to, to have a better life because we love Bob. We know that Bob is deep down, has goodness in him. And we, we want God to have mercy and we want God to uh, bring Bob into heaven one day. And so we wrestle. And so we just wonder, what is this feast day all about? Whenever we talk about God's mercy, what does that really mean? Divine Mercy is a devotion that started to become very popular over the past century. And you see, even though it kind of got started about 100 years ago, it really just re-articulated the original gospel message. So the teaching of Divine Mercy is actually not new at all. It's actually at the core of what Jesus Christ is all about and what the church has always taught about who Jesus is and what he does for us. And at the heart of the message of divine mercy, now there's a lot we could say here. There is, there's people that have devoted their whole life to spreading the message of divine mercy. So we could go a lot of different places today. But at the heart of this message, what it's really all about is about receiving God's mercy and sharing that mercy with others. So that's the simplified explanation. We're going to unpack that in a second. But at the heart of it, it's about receiving God's mercy and sharing that mercy with others. So let's unpack the first part of that definition. The first part we have is receiving God's mercy. There was a heresy about uh, in the 17th and 18th century uh, very popular in France. A lot of well-intentioned, good Catholics and good priests and good lay people were, uh, didn't realize it, but were basically living out this heresy. It was called Jansenism. And Jansenism states that you have to be perfect in order for God to love you, and you basically have to um, earn your way to salvation by getting rid of all of your sin and being perfectly perfect so that finally God can say, Yes, I love you. Come on into heaven. And you see, it's not that far from the truth. But it's also wrong in a big way. You see, because God loves us no matter what, even the most horrible sinners, but he's not pleased with everything that we do. And so we're seeking to please God, but we don't have to prove ourselves to God because at the end of the day, we can't. We simply can't. All of us are sinners and none of us have the capability deep down to actually achieve salvation on our own. None of us can. None of us can do that on our own. We absolutely 100% need God's grace. Our salvation depends upon God's grace and our acceptance of that grace. But, but everything depends on God's grace. The fact that we even exist is a grace from God. The fact that we believe in God in the first place was first a grace from God that we have then incorporated in our life. The fact that we're here today at this Mass is a grace from God. 
Every good action that we do, the way that we serve others, all of that starts as a grace from God and then we cooperate with it. But what I'm saying is that everything depends upon God's grace. And whenever we live and operate out of a mode that is through primarily our control, with the neglect of needing God, we become very Jansenistic. Everything depends on us. The, the weight of the world is on our shoulders. And then we become very scrupulous or we become very discouraged by what's happening in the world. And, and we become very fearful of whether or not we are saved because, because we can't do it on our own. We need God's grace. So divine mercy, two parts to it, is we receive God's grace and we share it with others. Receiving God's grace is recognizing that everything is dependent upon God's grace. That everything starts with God's grace. And every good and meritable and worthy thing that we could ever think, do, or say starts with God's grace. But that's only the first part of the definition. We have to share that grace with others. God could, hypothetically, snap his fingers, save all of us, and this world is done, and we could just have a perfect heaven today. He could if he wanted. For some mysterious reason, he has invited us to participate in the spreading of his grace. For some mysterious reason, God has asked you and me to be a part of that spreading of grace to the world, to share that grace that we have received to participate, in a sense, with the saving action that Jesus has already accomplished. How do we do that? We do that in so many ways. Yes, sure, we, we are a good example to others. Yes, we, we talk about Jesus to others, and we're excited about our faith. Sometimes we have to explain things to others. Maybe we pray for others. All of that is good. But the best way that we can help people like Bob in our life the best way, the best hope that Bob has for any real chance of a conversion is actually not a persuasive argument that we might learn from the priest. It's actually not doing a good deed of, of helping them out financially or, you know, or, or some other way physically. The best thing that we can do for Bob is to become holy. How does that work? as united members of the bodies of Christ, of the body of Christ. We are baptized into Christ, as St. Paul tells us. We, you and I, if we're baptized, are part of the body of Christ. And as one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. And as one part of the body thrives, the whole body begins to thrive. And so what we are pointing out is that in a mysterious, spiritual, but very real way, you and I are all connected to all the other baptized members of Christ. And so if Bob is baptized, then the best thing that we can do is to get close to God ourselves. Because as we become holy, as we draw near to God, as our lives change, we receive more grace and the grace starts to permeate through us to those that we are near to those that are close to us, and they are spiritually impacted by our holiness. 
the best thing that we can do to change the world and to change the lives of others is to ourselves draw near to God. And as we pray for people like Bob in our life, they truly are impacted by the degree of holiness that we are able to attain. But the way to become holy is not by our own capabilities and talents. The way to become holy is back to the first part of the definition, is receiving God's mercy for ourselves, is receiving God's grace everywhere. And so it's true that everything's dependent upon God's grace, but everything is also an opportunity for grace for others. And so on Divine Mercy Sunday, really, you and I are invited to become the most impactful missionaries in the entire world. The best way that we can change the world is by ourselves becoming holy, by drawing near to the fountain of grace. And God's grace is everywhere, and there's so many opportunities for grace, but primarily and most importantly, God's grace comes from here, from this altar. God's grace comes from God himself in the Eucharist, which he gives to us, and as we receive that Eucharist, we are changed, transformed, becoming holy, purified, sanctified. And as our lives become closer to Jesus Christ, those that we love are spiritually impacted by that. And so in a very real, real sense, we can help Bob by drawing near to the Lord. That's what divine mercy is all about. Divine mercy is helping us realize that the weight of the world is not on our shoulders, that we don't save Bob. It's not on us to have the perfect things to say and the perfect actions pre and strategy planned. Only one Savior is there for Bob. It's not you and it's not me. It's Jesus Christ. But you and I can spiritually impact Bob to receive the grace of Jesus by ourselves becoming holy. And that's what divine mercy is all about. And so I ask you today, who are the Bobs in your life? Who in your life is like Bob? Or maybe someone not as in a bad situation as Bob is, but perhaps someone that's still distant from God. Maybe someone that hasn't been to church in months or years. Or maybe somebody that is just really going through a hard time and making bad decisions but doesn't realize it. Who are the Bobs in your life? Today on Divine Mercy Sunday, and in fact every day, but especially today, we're going to pray for them at this altar. We will pray that God would sanctify us so that then as he draws us near to him, others that we love are drawn up with us. We will pray that all of us would become holy and we become sanctified. Imagine if we were, in fact, saints, if we let go of the sin in our own life, if we put God first and really loved him first, imagine the spiritual fruitfulness that would even impact Bob. Maybe we wouldn't even see the effects at first, but it would happen. The more holy that you become, the more holy others around you become. It is an incentive for you and I to draw near to the heart of Jesus, to drink from the fountain of grace, 
because it's not only ourselves that we're worried about. We become holy for the sake of others. That's divine mercy. And so I invite you for the rest of this Mass to pray for Bob and all those like Bob so that this whole world can be drawn up into the merciful heart of Jesus. Amen.